Hey everybody, Jeff Mazone here, co-host of Renar Voice. Renar is Rho Eta Nu Alpha Rho, an online chapter at Liberty University of the Counseling Honor Society, Chi Sigma Iota, which I know is a lot of Greek. But hey, real quick announcement. Our guest today, Dr. K, she's going to be in the Richmond, Virginia area on Friday, April 22nd from 5 to 7 for a meet and greet and book signing of the book that we're talking about today. That's again April 22nd, Friday, 5 to 7 at the Lily Pulitzer Store at the Short Pump Town Center. And with that, here's the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of Renar Voice. My name is Robert Swatala. I'm one of the co-hosts. With me, as always, my friend, colleague, and co-host, Jeff Mazone. How are you, Jeff? Good morning, Robert. What's going on, bro? Not much. So I got a question for you before we get started, and we're going to keep this brief, but this is a great introduction. Have Did you have any childhood shows that you watch coming home from school, little Jeff going into the house? Popping on front of the TV, was there anything that you watched as a child? You know, I, I had a feeling you were going to ask me this question. And I the answer, like, I'm just going to go with the first thing that came to my mind. Okay, and this, go for this it. might be dicey. I don't know. Okay. I haven't, like, researched enough of this show. <laughs> but, um, and this is also embarrassing, maybe. But um, my cool, go-to vulnerability. show. Oh, my go-to show as a little kid was Care Bears. All right. Look at you. That explains a lot. The the caring, the tenderness, the gen, generosity, uh, all those traits that you learned. Right. <laughs> I don't know. If I, I, so so yeah. mine was like He-Man or Transformers. So that probably says a lot about me. That too, makes sense. So. You know? Yeah. 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 It so fits, right? Right. I thought you were going to say like Flash Gordon because you're so old. <laughs> All <laughs> the old Batman and Robin shows, you know, the pal, you know. Yeah, I used to watch those. <laughs> yep. Well, well, hey, it does tie into our to our topic today. And this is going to be a really, I think, neat and interesting topic, really out of the box and, and excited and, and just in, it just really encouraged to hear what we're going to hear today. So, Jeff, could, could you go ahead and introduce our guest for us, please? Yeah. So actually, this is one of the benefits of Instagram, which I actually can't believe exists that because Instagram is a challenge. Uh, but today's guest is a residential professor or was a resident residential professor. And she was the SME of the research class 515 when I took it. And we connected through Instagram and she was promoting her work uh, on Mr. Rogers and was like, hey, why don't you come on board? So we're really excited today to have Dr. Anita Knight Cunley uh, with us today. And she has her PhD in counselor education from Regent University and is an LPC in the state of Virginia. She enjoys teaching and interacting with her students online and in the classroom. She has trained counselors for over a decade and is the author, co-author, or editor of nine books. Her most recent book is The Mr. Rogers Effect, published in 2020, that unpacks the incredible influence of Fred Rogers from a psychological lens, which I think we need more of that. She is also a blogger for the American Counseling Association. She's worked as a head counselor at Teen Challenge, worked in the private practice, and managed a college counseling center before teaching full-time. Her areas of specialization include attachment, empathy development, and emotional intelligence as a protective buffer for burnout among counselors. Dr. Conley also enjoys mentoring students through research and co-leads a research team focused on topics such as emotional intelligence, empathy, and attachment. So good morning, Dr. K. Thanks so much for being here today. 
Thank you so much, Jeff, for that very gracious introduction. I really appreciate it. And it's good to be here with you and, and Robert and uh, those that are tuning in to listen. Great. So let's just get right into it. Um, Dr. K, what got you interested in Mr. Rogers, his effect on people around him and, and wanting to research that and write about it? Yeah, you know, that was an interesting journey, what got me interested in Mr. Rogers. Um, you know, I think I'd always been interested in his programming, which uh, I, I just have to ask you guys, did you all uh, watch uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood at all growing up? Oh, I sure yeah. did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You did. Excellent. That's that's good to hear. Have you seen the movie, the uh, uh, the documentary or the Tom Hanks movie with uh, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers? I haven't I, seen that. I didn't know that existed. Oh, yeah. I, I recommend when you get a chance, I'd watch the documentary first just because you get to see Mr. Rogers himself interacting, uh, you know, with his family and his cast. And then you get to see, you know, Tom Hanks uh, interacting as Mr. Rogers uh, in the movie that came out just a few years later. But, you know, that's one of the things that got me interested. If you think about it, Mr. Rogers died in 2003 and now um, nearly two decades later, uh, we're still producing movies about him. He's still being quoted on social media. You know, you always see the look for the helpers. Anytime there's crises going on in the world, uh, the words of comfort that his, his mother gave him were look for the helpers. And so he would encourage kids, you know, look for the helpers. There's always people helping uh, in times of, of need, in times of distress. And um, his words are still nourishing our souls, you know, years after he's been gone. And so uh, I wanted to understand the impact. How is it that one man who decided to make a difference, uh, you know, when he was in college, uh, he came home for the weekend and uh, he saw television for the first time. Uh, it was a new phenomenon back then. And the first thing he saw was people throwing pies in each other's faces. And this made him feel angry to see one human being demeaning another human being. Uh, if there was anything that got him angry, that, that was it, demeaning behavior from one human being to another. And uh, I think maybe that, that origin story goes way back uh, to when he was bullied uh, as a child. And um, he knew what that felt like to, to be demeaned. And he decided on the spot. Now, he was studying music at Rollins College in, in uh, Winter Park, Florida. Uh, so he wasn't planning to go into television. But he decided he was going to try to get involved in television and try to use it for good. Uh, he saw this powerful um, way of communicating with the world and saw it being used uh, for harm. And, and he believed that it could be used for good. And so he went in on to do that. Um, and so, you know, when when I was growing up, too, I, I experienced uh some trauma early on, some bullying, some challenging experiences. And I always remember when I saw Mr. Rogers, I saw the kindness in his eyes and his smile. And um, there was something something different about him every time. I really loved seeing every time he would come through the front door, he would change out of his uh, jacket, out of his blazer, into his you know cardigan sweater, and just was a different color each week. And uh, when I watched, you know, it changed over the years, but he would have his zipper. He would zip it up and then back down a little bit because he had his uh, lapel microphone on. And he um, 
would invite you to be his neighbor. You know, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? And just, you know, that consistency, that predictability, you always knew what was going to happen with him. Uh, and that that kindness, it was sort of this, uh, now that I study attachment, I really understand the way he created this safe haven and these secure base messages. And it was very uh, inviting and very comforting uh, as a child. Yeah, Dr. K, that 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 is so and it just makes me think about the show, you know, like him walking, like you said, and, and then the, the night and train and, you know, all those all those things. But, you know, the, the message and I don't know if I really let the message sit in. But when I reflect now as an adult and think about the, the message, there's so much of overlap. And I think what we do is counselors and, you know, there's this fundamental and I, I think I say it on a regular basis to people of, of wanting to be seen, heard and known. And and I guess, you know, how how did you see Mr. Rogers um, pursue that they, he saw them, that he heard them, that he knew them through through the TV amazingly? But he seemed to have that effect of everybody came in contact with. And, and, and I guess my question is, is, you know, how can you compare that to some of the things that we see every day in counseling, but also in relationships in the real world? Okay, so a couple different questions there. So, um, yeah, so how how do we see that show up in counseling and in relationships and in the real world? I think, you know, I appreciate what you said, Robert, about, you know, he had that influence on, on everyone. He had that influence on so many people, and, and that's very true. Um, he actually has a book about the letters that children wrote um, because he received so many letters. And the way he looked at these letters was that he thought they were a response to his question, would you be my neighbor? And so children would, would want to write to him and, and reply. And it's really interesting to see some kids even would talk about how, um, I don't know if you guys remember at the beginning of the program, they would show uh, aerial view of the neighborhood and uh, some children were looking for for sale signs like, you know, yes, I want to be your neighbor, but there's no for sale signs in your neighborhood. So how's that going to work out? Uh, so, so I always thought that was that was interesting uh, to hear. But I think one great example of the way he influenced people is um, captured uh, in this video that just illustrates the Mr. Rogers effect really well, if you will. And it's a it's a video of um, and, and you can check this out on YouTube when you get a chance, but him interacting with Senator Pastore uh, from Rhode Island. And at this time, PBS was on the chopping block. Uh, they were about to uh, cut funding for PBS and reroute uh, funding for, for other efforts. And Mr. Rogers was there to uh, make a case to save public television. And Senator Pastore was a self-proclaimed uh, pretty tough guy. He was kind of uh, in an, an irritable mood that day. And, oh, you know, you could, you could hear it in his tone of voice as he was talking with Mr. Rogers. And Mr. Rogers said, you know, I've, I've prepared a, a statement to read, but it would take me 15 minutes to read it. So I won't read it. Instead, I'll just talk about it. Um, because one of the first lessons children learn early in life is trust. And I trust that you will do what you say and that you will read it. Pastor I said, well, would it make you happy if, if you read it? You know, and he just got really irritated. Mr. Rogers said, no, that's okay. I just, I just like to talk about it. So he didn't get defensive. He didn't, you know, um, react in a, in a negative way. And at the, that was at the beginning. By the end of this discussion, Senator Pastor, he totally transformed this guy from adversary to ally. 
And by the end of the discussion, Senator Pastoria was saying, well, uh, yeah, I'd like to watch the program. When does it come on? And at the very end, he said, oh, I think it's wonderful. You just earned the $20 million. And it was like, wow. Um, and, and as you unpack kind of what happened there, he used a, a lot of empathy. Of course, Mr. Rogers was a man of faith, so I'm sure he had covered the interaction with prayer. Uh, but he was also um, listening, I think, to the inner child of uh, Senator Pastore. He could, he could read that irritability. And he asked him permission. He said, can I share with you the lyrics to a song? And they, they came from a little boy who said, Mr. Rogers, what do you do with the mad that you feel? And uh, the the song went something like, you know, what do you do with the mad that you feel when you feel so mad you could bite? The whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. Do you round up friends for a game of tag or do you pound some clay or some dough? Um, and then towards the end of the song said, good, to, it's good to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and do something else instead and think this song. And that's kind of at the point when Pastor I said, oh, I think it's wonderful. You know, you just earned the, the $20 million. And I think he really, uh, there was that parallel process going on, right? And he was speaking to the emotions inside of him. And uh, Robert, you mentioned that, um, you know, he had this effect on this kind of therapeutic effect on everyone. And, it, you know, it wasn't by accident. If we think of this from a counseling perspective, he was mentored by Dr. Margaret McFarlane. He, he went to seminary on his lunch breaks and he had a counseling class with Dr. McFarlane. And he wound up uh, basically doing what we would call as counselor supervision with her uh, for the remainder of her career. And he talked with her on a, on a regular basis and he would take copious notes about how to apply uh, principles of psychological development to his programming. And specifically, she, she had a quote, she had something she used to say, which was that anything human is mentionable and anything mentionable is manageable. And he shortened it to feelings are mentionable and manageable. Um, and this is, this is part of the essence of emotional intelligence. So he really um, created that safe atmosphere where people could talk about their feelings. And he believed that if two men could work out their feelings of anger towards each other, uh, this would really uh, be uh, something uh, more worthy of watching than seeing sort of like guns and gunfire and fighting scenes on, on television. And that's exactly what he was doing in that interaction with, with Senator Pastore. Dr. Knight, I, I'm still recovering from what you had said earlier. Uh -oh. it just, it's, sorry, I, I prefaced that poorly. <laughs> Before we even move on, I just have to like speak that when you were mentioning earlier about how he started the show with the consistency of taking off his, his blazer and putting on the cardigan, and, like something inside of me just felt safe. Mm. And, and I think I went back to being a kid and, re and watching the show and, and remembering now that you put words to that experience of like, that there was something about the safety that he created. And like, we knew what to expect. And, and I, I, I don't know, when you just said that, I just felt something wash over me. Mm. And, and, and I wonder, like, with you sharing about him, like learning, seemingly learning counseling skills, which seem to have already been, you know, grace building on nature, right? So like, he seemed to already have this very empathetic nature. Right. Um, 
maybe through his own kind of negative experiences, but then seemingly he, it sounds like he had a good relationship with his mother. Um, I'd, I'd like, I'd like to hear more about his childhood too, but it, it seems like he inculcated these good human relationship values, uh, that if I understand correctly, based on our experience here at Liberty, like these are what make for a good counselor. Um, that you don't just learn these clinical skills. You there's there's a human formation element <laughs> that action flows from our being, right? So, like how we perform as counselors often flows from who we are as people, as human beings, children of God, followers, disciples. So I'm wondering, like, what can we learn from his example um, of incorporating these values that impact the therapeutic relationship, uh, just in terms of like how we relate to the person across from us, bringing that safety, bringing that consistency. Like, what, what did you find? What did you see in his, in his story? Yeah. Oh, so many things I wanted to res respond to and what, what you just shared, Jeff. Thank you for that. But I, I appreciate your sort of experiential response and, and, and uh, sharing that feeling that you had inside of that sense of peace and safety when your mind goes back to thinking about him kind of coming through consistently, uh, you know, knowing, oh, he's going to pick out a sweater from the closet. He's going to put that on. He's going to change his shoes. Like he's going to sing to us, ask us to be his neighbor, this whole routine. And, um, you know, uh, from a counseling perspective, we know, right, if you guys probably took some family systems classes, uh, we talk about rituals, family rituals sort of being that some, some of that glue that helps uh, increase uh, that sense of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, not coherence. Uh, cohesion, uh, that, that sense of cohesion. We do the same thing with, with group counseling, right? We, we develop uh, routines, right? We might start with um, a check-in, kind of go around the group, everybody checks in with how they're doing or, um, you know, even, even if it's a podcast, right? You might start with some banter. You might start like sometimes with my YouTube videos, I said, let's roll up our sleeves, right? And start talking about whatever the topic is, right? Um, but that that can really help with that sense of safety, you know, and you mentioned wanting to hear about his parents. Um, you know, it's interesting that he has uh, said that Dr. Margaret McFarland, his mentor, was one of the most influential people uh, in his life. So uh, maybe almost like a, a second parent in some ways. Um, his dad worked a lot. His mom was very involved within the community. And he struggled with being sick a lot as he was growing up. So he spent a lot of time by himself and with puppets. And so he learned to entertain himself with puppets as a little boy. And of course, uh, as an adult, he entertained uh, most of America and Canada in the land of make-believe uh, with his puppets uh, as well. Um, so that was something that, that helped him throughout. And you ask about, you know, counseling. How do we you know, apply uh, what can counselors learn from Mr. Rogers. And um, literally, we could write a book on it, right? And that's in some ways uh, what the Mr. Rogers effect is. It was actually birthed out of a discussion in a counseling classroom where um, it was a counseling skills class. And um, I was I was on campus and teaching an intensive and um, I showed students that video clip that we talked about. Um, Mr. Rogers and Senator Pastore, because we were talking about reflecting emotions and validating uh, emotions. And 
um, I asked the students, you know, what was it like to see Mr. Rogers interact with Senator Passeray, watch that transformation and that parallel process of sort of validating his feelings. And one of my students said, I work in the inner cities. And because in, in the inner city schools, a lot of the kids I work with, they don't have parents um, or they don't have anybody to, they don't have, she specifically said they don't have a Mr. Rogers, right? Um, and so they turn to violence, they hurt each other, they fight uh, to regulate their emotions. And so, um, you know, that really stuck with me. I kept going back and thinking about that when she said, no, these kids really don't have anyone. And I thought, you know, in many ways, that's that's what we're doing as counselors, right? We're, and as counselor educators, training people to, to stand in the gap, to help uh, kids with regulating those emotions, right? What in many ways an attachment figure would do. Um, if we if we look at the circle of security and an attachment, that's probably a whole another podcast, right? But when we talk about the dynamics of that, one of the tasks of the attachment figure is to help the child organize their feelings, right? And so as, as counselors, we often do that. And Mr. Rogers tried to do that by teaching kids feelings are mentionable and manageable. And I don't know if you guys know, or if you have young kids, the um, sort of um, next generation of Mr. Rogers programming is called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And I, I see nodding. So Daniel Tiger was the puppet that was on Mr. Rogers' shoulder that his wife said that was most like him. You know, the, the vulnerable part of Fred Rogers was in Daniel Tiger. And now Daniel Tiger sort of the host of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. He wears a cardigan sweater. He rides a trolley to the land of make-believe. But they, they have a song, When You Feel So Mad That You Could Roar. Take a deep breath and count to four. One, two, three, four. You know, and it just shows that de-escalation of the intensity of, of anger. And so I, I think that that's a great service that he's done to men, for mental health um, to help kids know that feelings are mentionable and manageable. And if we can manage, um, I, I don't say negative feelings because I think even anger is positive, right? It's meant to protect us. It's meant to uh, perhaps let us know that we're perceiving injustice or we're being blocked from something important, right? But uh, it's what we do with that anger. That's that's what matters. And that's why at the end of that song, you said it's good to be able to stop when you've planned uh, to do something that's wrong and do something else instead and think this song. I love that because I mean, even that piece there, it seems like we're trying to teach children who don't have full adult regulation skills, don't have full use of their rational faculty. We're trying to teach them how to rationally guide their very strong emotions. Like you said, like anger, for example, anger's, you know, be angry, sin not, right? Romans uh, 12, I think like that's, <laughs> but we just, we just hear, don't be angry. <laughs> and and so I, I love how even that show can, can help. Yeah, just begin that process, right? Which is very difficult. I mean, you could probably hear my six-year-old is crying right now. I'm sure she's angry. <laughs> um, Dr. K, I love how you spoke about, um, you, you mentioned stepping into the gap, like stepping into the breach of, of what the relationship, the therapeutic relationship can do, uh, whether it's for someone from the inner city or the you know president of a hedge fund company. It, it doesn't, like there's still something um, that the counselor can offer in terms of a relationship for making up for what's lacking or, or something that was missed or some type of deprivation. And I guess I've just never thought about Mr. Rogers as being an example of 
he just had this universal capacity for doing that, it seems. Well, it wasn't by accident. If you think mm. about his mentor, Dr. Margaret McFarlane, she worked with some of the greats, right? She worked with, uh, you remember Dr. Eric Erickson from, you know, developmental counseling, right? Um, Eric Erickson was one of the greats in developmental psychology. Benjamin Spock was very influential. You know, Margaret McFarlane didn't write as much, so we don't have, you know, sort of as, as much of her writings and things to go back to. But Mr. Rogers, he popularized many of her concepts, right? But there was hours upon hours of time with her talking about you know how to make this program therapeutic and then of course he went to seminary on his lunch breaks and he was ordained as a presbyterian minister and he originally uh was there was uh an opportunity for him to possibly look at going into religious programming and that didn't work out and so instead he wound up on pbs but he had this special ordination uh from the presbyterian church for uh television ministry and so really his program was his ministry and it was all about, you know, being neighborly. And so in, in many ways, uh, a gospel message, but without necessarily uh, using the words uh, that we would, we would think of, right? But he would say, you know, won't you be my neighbor? And um, he made it clear, you know, he, do, he had all types of different people on his program. And even when there was times of a lot of bias and, and racism in the US where people were chasing African-Americans out of pools with chemicals, he invited uh, Officer Clemens to come swimming in his pool, so to speak. Now it was like a kitty, a blue pool. So, you know, going swimming was kind of just, you know, washing his feet. But uh, people that, uh, you know, have a background as Christ followers will notice that, uh, that sort of symbolism there where he was sort of washing Officer Clemens' feet and Officer Clemens said, well, I don't really have a towel. He said, that's okay, you'll use mine. And he dried his feet and uh, he made it clear that everyone uh, was his neighbor and that he, uh, you know, it's so, some people think of him as this mild-mannered, gentle uh, television host. And in, in some ways he was, but he was also a revolutionary in other ways, right? Because he was going to stand up and uh, make it clear that he was standing up for his neighbor. And, uh, you know, he, he spoke, he's, he had a way of, of looking right into the camera. And when he was bullied and demeaned uh, as a child, uh, you know, he went to adults and he said, you know, he asked for input and they basically said to just ignore it. And if he didn't, he, you know, didn't let on that it bothered him, they would just leave him alone. But that didn't, that advice didn't seem to help him. Um, but, but something his, his grandpa McFeely used to tell him, he was named after his grandpa Fred McFeely, um, and he named his speedy delivery man Mr. McFeely after his grandpa. But his grandpa told him, Freddie, you've made this day a special day just by your being you. There's no one else in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. And that message meant so much to him that he spent 30 years in over 800 programs telling children, all over the U.S. and Canada, that very same thing. Dr. K, that is that is just awesome. Um, I, I love it, and and I love the depth and the personalization you've brought to this podcast over this topic. And I just want to read to our listeners just a snippet from um, 
Amazon in terms of the the review of the book or the summary of the book, and then just close with a with a question here, and, and just we'll we'll include a link as well to uh, the Amazon site for the book. Again, the book is called The Mister Rogers Effect: Seven Secrets to Bring Out the Best in Yourself and Others from America's Beloved Neighbor. And and on Amazon, you can read it. It says in this uplifting and informative book, Doctor Anita Knight Coonley shows us how to trans how to use the transformative psychological principles that Mr. Rogers masterfully employed to make a difference in our own neighborhoods. Principles such as listening for discovery, validating feelings, preserving white space, expressing gratitude, exercising empathy, practical radical acceptance, using expressions of care. Imagine a world where these seven principles guide our interactions with each other. Sounds heavenly, right? Neighborly. It all starts with you. That is a great summary, I think, of, of a lot of what you shared today. But as we close, what I'd like to know is you've obviously done a lot of research. You know Mr. Rogers pretty darn well, um, probably more so than anybody that I've known. How has that impacted you personally? Oh, it, uh, that's, that's a great question, Robert. It's definitely had a pretty powerful impact on me. Um, you know, just in that conversation I shared with you guys that I had with my students where they asked, you know, where one student said, you know, I work with kids that don't have a Mr. Rogers and they, they turn to violence. You know, I started thinking, you know, how can we unpack what he did and just make it, you know, just step by step, you know, what are the key principles he used so that others can use them? And it really inspired me to want to to just dive in, do a deep dive and study his work. And so I got with a panel of experts, a psychiatrist, a school counselor, psychologist, um, other uh, clinical mental health counselor. And, you know, we, we went in and looked at all these themes of his programming, of his writing, um, of his friendships with journalists. And we looked at kind of, we started studying, what are the key themes that, that come up here? And, you know, there were so many, but we, we restricted it to the top seven and with the consensual qualitative approach, you, you come to a consensus where everybody on the panel agrees. These are the most salient themes. And so, you know, it, it just gave me a, this renewed desire to implement these these themes into my own work. Like, for example, one of them um, is is gratitude. And I found myself, you know, sending more thank you notes than I'd ever sent <laughs> before when I was working on the book. Um, you know, there's something that Mr. Rogers did, um, you know, and I like I could, you know, literally talk with you guys all day about the impact it had because it literally changed me in so many ways. I felt like and this is an, an, an interesting way to think about it. Right. But I felt like I gained a mentor and I also felt a sense of loss that I would never get to meet Mr. Rogers on this side of heaven. I had so wished that I had had the opportunity to to meet him while he was here. But I, I know we'll, we'll see him, you know, one day in heaven. And, you know, um, it, it really inspired me to want to keep his legacy alive. You know, just because Mr. Rogers is no longer with us doesn't mean the incredible effect that he had has to die with him. Right. We can we can carry that forward. And and he really, you know, like I said, it was his ministry. And so the Lord worked through him in many ways. But there's one thing that he did every time he spoke um, at a graduation ceremony, at a television award ceremony. Um, it was really quick, um, but it's this one thing he always did. And I wonder uh, if we could take just a moment to, to do that today. That would be OK with you guys. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Sure. Yeah. 
Excellent. So he, whenever he would uh, receive an award or, or speak to these groups, he would say, you know, there are people that have loved you into being who you are today, right? Those people may be nearby. They may even be in the room with you. They may be far away or they may be in heaven. But there are some people that have loved you into being you. And, and we'll personalize it for here, right? You guys are uh, clinical mental health counselors, uh, finishing, uh, having graduated or about to graduate from a master's program, right? You've accomplished, um, you know, success in your studies. You've, um, you know, gone through uh, a lot of work to get where you are today. Um, and maybe even if it's felt like a circuitous route at times, you know, and uh, career shifts and things like that, you know, you you are uh, going to this profession to help others and you've accomplished a lot of success. And there's people that have loved you into being on your journey. And if we could just take 10 seconds to think about who those people are who loved what was best in you and nurtured that in you, um, I'll keep the time. Thank you. And I imagine how happy those individuals would be to know that you thought of them right now in this moment. And, you know, as as counselors, you know, I, I like to call this the 10 second transformation technique because I see both of you guys smiling right now. And when we when we think about these people, there, there's a sense of connection that we're connected to them um, as Christians or maybe an awareness of God providing uh, people in our lives that have mentored us or cared for us, loved us into being. Um, and there's a sense of gratitude and it can, it can literally, you know, transform our moods when we, when we go here and, and use this technique, there's a long list of benefits uh, uh, in the peer reviewed literature from gratitude and uh, how these just short exercises can really make a difference. Um, so I just want to leave you guys with that message. Uh, that there are those people that have loved you into being. I'm sure they'd be very proud of where you are today. And uh, I hope you can imagine both me and Mr. Rogers uh, telling you that you all have made this day a special day and a special podcast just by your being you. There is no one else in the entire world like you. And I like you just the way you are.